Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Dr. Kamla D, your host and teacher of Learning Bible Truth. Uh, today there is a uh, special message from one of my favorite bishops that I would like to share with you guys. Um, don't panic, we will resume uh, finding Jesus in the scriptures tomorrow on Sunday. But this message I recently listened to. I often listen to other uh, ministers and teachers and pastors and bishops just to feed my spirit and to, to make sure that these bishops and pastors and teachers are sticking with the word. Yeah, sticking with the word. And Bishop Caldwell is one of the best defenders of the gospel I have ever heard. And I compare to scripture, nothing else. I don't compare minister to another minister. I compare who's teaching the word. Who is sticking with the gospel? Who is sticking with the doctrine of the apostles? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, the name of this message is The Simplicity of Salvation. It is going to surely feed your spirit. It's going to open your eyes. And I want you to listen carefully. He's going to talk about a very famous bishop that fell from grace some years ago. I, I know the bishop. I remember the bishop. And I will talk about it after his message. Now, this message is in two parts, but each episode is only 30 minutes. So, or maybe 25 a piece. So sit back and enjoy. The body of Christ <clears throat> about something that is very near and dear to my heart. And... Um, let me take you to the Keystone Scripture first, and then we'll move on from there. I want you to go to where we just came from in our studying in the book of Acts, the second chapter. Acts chapter 2, as you well know, is uh, comprises basically of Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost. The birthday of the church. And in Acts chapter 2, I need for you to key in on verse 47. 
think that's where I need to go. Verse 47. Is that what I said? Okay. Don't try to interrupt me. Acts 2.47. This is what happened to them on the day of Pentecost. Um, let me start at verse 41. <clears throat> then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Drop down to verse 47. The people were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added. Who added? The Lord. Who added? The Lord. the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. On other night, on the 4th of July, I was watching Netflix and I watched the story of Carlton Pearson. And that's a sad discourse of a man who fell from grace because of his own stupidity, arrogance, bullheaded and refused to hear the voice of those that had wisdom in the word. He had an uncle by the name of Quincy, and his uncle was up in age and in prison. His uncle had sent for him to come and see him, and he did. So when Carlton went to see his uncle, his uncle asked to be saved. Carlton, from a Pentecostal background and a few other angles that he was coming from, told his uncle that he was not ready to be saved. And back then, I don't know what they're believing now, what they're saying now, but he told that to his uncle. And he did not lead him into a saving knowledge of Jesus. He did not extend God's mercy and grace to him. Carlton left that prison upset, first of all, because his uncle had called for him to come because Carlton had leverage in the community and his uncle wanted him to write a letter to some dignitaries so that he could be released and Carlton wouldn't do it and got angry because his uncle called down and made that request. And so in the middle of all that, Carlton did not lead him to Christ because Carlton, in his own mind, see, is, 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 you have to understand, when the Lord take you from nowhere and bring you to the forefront of somewhere, you must never forget who brought you and where you came from. Yeah. 
all men need saving. It's not for us to judge as to whether or not they have sinned and got so much sin into the, in their lives until they can't be saved. You don't want to put yourself in that position because you are not God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so Carlton left that day looking for a more convenient time to return to his uncle and tell him about Jesus. Well, before he got able to get back, his uncle died. And so in the death of his uncle, Carlton, and what's so amazing, he graduated from a university, uh, Old Roberts University there in Tulsa. And I'm not blaming the university. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just telling you what the story was about. How can you graduate from a college and, 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 and your head has gotten so swollen until salvation depends on you? And obviously we see some of that today. If you don't like somebody, you ain't going to tell them about Jesus. But anyway, long story short. So his uncle died, his uncle Quincy. So Carlton, in a packed out congregation, mixed congregation in Tulsa, where the race riot took place in 1921, came to the pulpit after his uncle Quincy had died and said that a loving God See, this is, this is when people get off track. When, why is it that a loving God would send his children that he created to hell? That a loving God would not send his created beings to hell. There is no hell. That's what he said. And there is no need of preaching the gospel because everybody's already saved. Now you call that the doctrine of inclusion. So people began to get up out of the church all the way live on a Sunday morning, and they should have. Because the second Sunday he came back around, he made it even worse. And he refused to admit that he was wrong. Now all these scriptures, he said God spoke to him and told him that all men are saved. So what happened in the process is that one night his mother called him. And his uncle Quincy was his mother's brother. And she said to him, you need to get back to preaching what you used to preach. Your uncle Quincy went to hell because he rejected Jesus. And somebody else, she said, went to hell because of the rejection of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I said all that to say this. So, old Roberts went to Carlton Pearson and told him, you always have a place here and you have a place in my heart, but you need to get this straight. He told him, you need to read Romans 10 and 9. Carlton never did that. And so it's, 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 it can be breathtaking and amazing and almost bordering on fright when you think about the last time you watched a TV program that's been long running. Was an invitation issued to come to Christ? No. An invitation was issued to send some money over here. And when you find there's nothing wrong with money. And when you finally look look at the simplicity of salvation, it's almost a silent conversation in the land today. Why? Because the average person does not know what it takes to be saved. And an attempt for any believer to show his proudness or how much he may think that he or she knows about the Bible have complicated salvation to such a degree until they can't just look anybody in the eyes straight and tell them what must I do, what must they do in order to be saved. So today I want to talk about salvation. And as we look in these scriptures, people all over America, for the most part, are not going to church anymore. They're using the pandemic as an excuse. Well, they was probably gone before that happened anyway. And then there are those in high places that don't know what they're talking about. And a lot of people think that if you're in a major city like Atlanta or Los Angeles or Tulsa, that if you got, quote, unquote, a church, you got to know what you're talking about. Jim Jones had 950-some people that went to Guyana and perished. So we have to understand that when we talk about doctrine, Doctrine is teaching what the Bible teaches, teaching what you have been taught and rightly divided. And don't change the word because your Uncle Quincy died. The word is the word. And it's God's word. And it needs to be respected. It needs to be taught straight up. And we don't have no dog in the race. So, I want to talk today about the simplicity of salvation. How simple it is to be saved. Now, first of all, in order for anyone to be saved, they must be a sinner. Amen, walls and lights and posts. If a person 
if their argument is that I'm not a sinner, then you cannot be saved. Because the blood of Jesus was shed for sinners. Not for people. For some good men or some good people, one would dare to die. But Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. <laughs> How in the world did you get so good that you ain't no sinner? No, you're saved, but you're still sinning. So we're going to look at the simplicity of salvation. And we must not try to take God's place to decide who's going to be saved, who's not, based upon whether we like them or not. Then you're a person that can be, cannot be trusted with the message. Because the message must go out the way that it is. And if you don't like somebody and you're talking to them, then you just witness to them with a broken heart, frown all up on the inside, but give them the word. So the simplicity of salvation. There are a few scriptures that we're going to take a look at. Look back down at verse 47, Acts chapter 2. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So it's the Lord that adds to the church. Now Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So there's no other name under these heavens or this heaven whereby we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Now, the purpose of the Lord's coming the first time, being virgin born, that's another problem that people have. I don't understand why, if, if this is the word of truth, and it is, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is, why do we get so busy trying to misinterpret what's here? Why don't we just be good stewards of God's word, say what the word says? If the word doesn't have anything to say, then we shouldn't have anything to say. And if we do have something to say, you ought to, before you say it, say this is my opinion, which doesn't amount to anything. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. The simplicity of salvation. And a lot of people need to take more seriously God's word. I'm going to start at verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, before they had intercourse, she was already pregnant. And we know that happened when she had a visitation from the angel Gabriel. 
Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, not Jesus' father. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He was thinking about it. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Now stop right there. This is why Jesus is called the son of David. Because Joseph was born into the house of David. Joseph would marry Mary. All that would take place in the house of David. So Jesus, thou son of David. He's the son of David because he was born into David's house. And that came through Mary, not Joseph. But Joseph was also in David's house. Saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, that's a given. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. After he had went back to heaven, this word was said that he was adding daily. So you can't join no church. You have to be put in there by the new birth. You have to be put into the church, which is the body of Christ, by the Lord. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. First Timothy 1 and 5. Just a, what the old folk call, just a smidgen. <laughs> I don't know what a smidgen is, but I'm going to use a smidgen. We're talking about the simplicity of salvation. First Timothy chapter 1. I think I got that right. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. That's not 5, that's 15. First Timothy 1 and 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus, that's the man at God's right hand, that's why it's Christ before Jesus, it is his exalted position. God accepted his sacrifice for our sins. That's why as Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, if the Lord sent his son into the world to be the savior of sinners, in order for the simplicity of salvation to become a reality, we need two things. We need a sinner and we need a savior. If we don't have no sinner, we don't need no savior. Now, there is a mistake, and then we're going to move on. There's a mistake that people constantly make that messes 
a lot of people's heads up. Have you ever heard the acronym KISS? Keep it simple, stupid. We should keep this as simple as it could possibly be kept because people are already lost. They're already confused. So Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not good people, sinners. But we live in a time now, you call a person a sinner, they are so insulted, they pull in their blouse and they pull in their shirt all together like they've been highly offended. You're still a sinner. From God's vantage point. And so Christ Jesus came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Carlton went off the rail talking about we don't need to preach the gospel. Everybody already saved. What you call Carlton Pearson and I'm, I'm name calling because he put himself in this situation and he can get himself out of this situation if he ever were to repent. He's called a heretic. And he is preaching hearsays. Now, to invite somebody like that to preach at a church where the fundamentals of the faith have been heralded for years is against God's will. So in this Carlton Pearson story, the bishops, Bishop Ellis them, called Carlton to a meeting to come and to defend his doctrine. He tried to turn the table on the elders, and it didn't work. Ain't no way, if Christian people know their Bible, that they're going to let someone twist these scriptures. See, so the warfare is not between us and the person. It's between us and what the person is saying that doesn't line up with this word. In Isaiah 8 and 20, you don't have to turn there, but if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. You got it? Now, First John. Okay, saints, now that was the end of part one. I cannot wait until the end of part two because I want to share a short commentary because I realized he was missing some stuff. And, and not really on purpose, but he was trying to explain it in such a way that your kids can understand it. That's how he is. That's how he teaches. I've been listen, listening to Bishop Caldwell for about maybe 30 years. And I tell you, there's no better defender of the gospel than Bishop Caldwell. I'm a close second. No better defender of the gospel than Bishop Caldwell. So without further ado, here's part two. Then we're going to get into the simplicity of what it takes to be saved. But I first needed to establish the fact that all men are born lost. All men are born in need of a savior. And if a person says he doesn't need saving, then he has just reserved his eternal spot in hell. 1 John 1 and 9. 
1 John 1 and 8. Well, let me start at verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard from the beginning and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, which is the word, darkness is without the word. But if we walk in the light, that word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, that, that's that word homologio, to say the same thing about sin, about salvation, about anything, to say the same thing that God says. So if we, this is where people get messed up right here in this verse right here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, this is a thin line, but you must understand where the line is. You see verse 9? Now, if you came to Christ and you were in your 20s or 30s, is no way. See, they say you have to confess your sins to be saved. That ain't what this scripture says. This scripture here is to the body of Christ. It's to the born again believers. It's not going back to when you were in elementary school and you sinned. So they're taking this verse to say, in order to be saved, you must confess all of your sins. I can't remember. I know you can. I can't remember all the sins I committed. So that's not what this scripture is saying, but that's what people are trying to make it say, and it's not saying that. If we confess our sins, see, if we confess our sins, in other words, if I curse you out, if I do something, now that I'm born again, I know what I'm doing. That's what this is talking about. But to walk up to a center on Sprague Street, you know, don't know, don't know sinners live on Ellaby. But if you, you, you walk up to a center on Sprague Street and you say, okay, you want to be saved? Yeah, man, I want to be saved. Okay, go right ahead. Confess all of your sins. Man, where do I get started? No. We don't confess sins to be saved. We confess the Savior who saves us to be saved. All right, moving right along. Now, I've been trying to get out here all day. I don't know why I didn't get here right quick. But Romans, the 10th chapter. Let's take a look at that. Or Roberts told Carlton Pearson. Now, I'm not, I'm not jumping on Carlton. And I'm not apologetic for anything I'm saying. And I'm saddened that it has happened to him. But you don't let 
a snake run loose in the mall. <laughs> you don't. It's a snake loose in the body of Christ that has a, that had a whole lot of popularity, a whole lot of leverage that is preaching against Christ. And some scripture used in this in this Carlton Pearson story, I said, my goodness, how in the world can you take that scripture and twist it? One scripture he twisted was where God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, that's what he would have. But it didn't say that all men are saved and came to the knowledge of the truth. See how easily that can be done with the sleight of hands. You must stand on this word to hell freeze over and they start selling popsicles at Walmart. Do not change this word. And when it comes to this word, we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. All right, now, this is the word that old Roberts told Carlton he need to get back to and take a look at. It's Romans 10 and 9. Now, you know we just left First John if we confess our sins, right? If we homologio, if we say the same thing about sin that God says. That's the believer confessing his sins. This is the sinner confessing his Savior. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. That's real simple. Confessing Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's the simplicity of salvation. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Or with the heart man believeth unto prosperity. With the heart man believeth unto healing. With the heart man believe. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. So is he. Hallelujah. Because man is a spirit. So for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And that, that is here righteousness. Because the emphasis is on righteousness, God's righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ. If it was on tithing, it would be the same thing. In your heart, you have to believe, and it will be shown up through your actions. If a man says that he has faith and have not works, then his faith is dead, being alone. All right, reading on. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto, unto salvation. salvation. That's, that's just that simple. Hallelujah. Now, now, let me pause right there. This is what I always get into, and I, I've tried to augment my teaching style and, and go another way, but I just can't seem to get over there. So by now, after all these years, I didn't find out that that lane is closed. So I just need to go ahead in the way that God has directed me to go. And that's what I strongly suggest that you do. Now, uh, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. 
which means then that inside, in our spirit, and we are spirit, that's where our belief system is. That belief system must never be compromised by Bible study with stupid people or looking for what are you looking for and you got all the Savior you'll ever need. We open ourselves up because we think we are smarter than anybody else. And so we get out there on that limb and we just like these old stupid people, these Hebrew Israelites, they claim that the Mexicans came out of Issachar. Now where in the world did you get that from? And you got a lot of people that just buy into stuff. They just open up a new gas station out on Bird Coons, right across from a shell station. And I notice how all those cars and trucks are over there. Why? It's new. People flock to new things. I just pray that that other station that I like to go to does not close. Because it's real simple. You pull up to the pump. You got a, you're a few feet from the door. You go in and pay, your gas, pay for your gas. You walk out and pump it. You're not exposed to the elements. You get in your car and you're going about your business. But it's new. Folk over there struggling in the rain and everything to get to the door to pay for the gas. Because it's new doesn't mean that it's better. You must build your hope on things eternal. If it's new, it's not true. Need I say that again? If it's new doctrine, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. And that's where our fight comes in. Stick with the old path. <laughs> uh-huh. I know what I'm talking about. So confession of Jesus is for salvation. Confessing of sins is for the believer who has committed them. Verse 11, for the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all, they call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you were to listen to Carlton Pearson, calling for what? He said, you don't have to call. You're already saved. Well, then that makes everything that Jesus did in his mind of no effect. Why in the world would a man named Jesus go through all the agony of the cross? If everybody was already saved. Wait, Saints, I have to intervene here because I saw the movie. Um, Bishop Caldwell, I don't know if he uh, was so disgusted at what he was seeing, he missed it. But Carlton Pearson, his message was, and he was deceived by the devil now. His message was because of the blood of Jesus, he never excluded Jesus. He said, everybody is already saved anyway, so you don't have to preach the gospel. He said, but the blood of Jesus covers everyone, no matter who they are. It can be a Muslim. It can be a Buddhist. 
It can be Africans over in a whole nother country, people in a whole nother country who never heard of Jesus, people who speak another language who never heard of Jesus. They're saved anyway because of the blood of Jesus. That's not true. That is not true. Now, let me resume with uh, Bishop Caldwell. Why in the world would Jesus give up the ghost, leave his own body on that tree, commit his spirit and soul into the hands of his heavenly father, and immediately, immediately go into hell itself into the flames to spend three days down there, three eternal days to get the keys to make sure his children doesn't go there and to make sure that those that are there don't come out of there unless he decides it's time for them to come to the great white throne judgment. And then Jesus was raised from the dead the third day. They said, do you believe that? I sure do. <laughs> I sure do. What you been drinking, it doesn't matter. Whatever I've been drinking, you need to drink it. Forty days after he had been raised, for the second time, he went back to heaven. And according to Psalms 110, see, it's according to Psalms 110, verses 1 through 4, the Lord said to my Lord, sit here on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Where is Jesus right now? Seated at God's right hand. What is he up there for? To make intercession for us. Christ is still alive. <laughs> He's still alive. In him we live, move, and have our being. Now, if people get on your nerves by saying, I ain't going to accept Jesus, well, go to hell. Go on. Because it ain't my gospel. And anyone who rejects life loves death. Romans 10 and 1. Brother, in my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, which is Christ, and going about to establish their own righteousness, work upon the law, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now watch this. The right, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, right? Which means then that they have not submitted themselves. Right? Because in verse 4, it explains everything he said before then. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And see, Paul got so upset one time, he told Timothy, this is what he said, and I'm paraphrasing. What if some don't believe? He, God, abided faithful. He cannot deny himself. So if, if, if you're a Muslim, you say, well, I'm going to follow Allah. Go on with your bad self. But the God of the Bible 
is going to judge everybody. And when the judgment comes and God doesn't see his righteousness. See, righteousness is like a mirror with God when he looks at us. If he doesn't see his righteousness in us, that vessel going to be destroyed. Whose report will you believe? See, because at the end of the day, either this gospel is believed or is not believed. Acts 16. 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to go about, I say verse 30, Acts 16 and 30. Stay with the scriptures, people. Do not go on your own trying to create some new doctrine. I'm going to start at verse 25. Now, this is critical. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They did what? They prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and it was not a bud light. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, they, they. So this wasn't just Paul preaching. In this instance, it was Paul and Silas. And they, when you see that word, they there, that means that they were there in one accord. And see, we, we, we just spent quite a few weeks looking at the Apostle Doctrine. And it's called the Apostle Doctrine because you got Peter standing here preaching and the, and the other ten behind him. So it was 11 of them. All of them were in total agreement. As Peter moved into the Old Testament and, and, and back into what we call now the New Testament because there was no New Testament except in the blood of Jesus, and now it was being worked out in, in real time, in real life, by people that were experiencing Jesus Christ. That's the same way it is today. When a person is genuinely born again, they are genuinely born again. So we must not be preaching this gospel thinking that Nobody's hearing me. 
it's not up to us to determine who's hearing us or not. Our job is to say it. Because the wheat and the tear is going to grow together. So, so, so this man is in a pickle. And the reason he wanted to kill himself because in those days, if you were a prison guard and you let the prisoners escape, then whatever uh, judgment they had against them, now it's on you. So he wanted to kill himself because he, he just thought all of them had escaped. So how in the world he going to do all that time for all them people that have escaped? But you know, let me ask you a question. What did God use to get your attention? Now, with the jailer, it was the earthquake, it was the prayers and the song, which he didn't hear none of that because he was asleep. But when that earthquake hit, that woke him up. That mean that brother was asleep. But what did God use to get your attention? Now, don't sit here and, and try to act like you've been good all your life. Because you've been good all your life. You don't need saving. And I'm not trying to. You know stress no point. I know I was a rich undone. Come the weekend. I was out there. But the Lord. But the Lord. So this man wakes up out of this stupor. And Paul tells the man, don't kill yourself. Don't do yourself no harm. We are all here. Nobody has escaped. In verse 29, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord. See, this is what we need to understand. The man asked a question. It wasn't a complex question. It was a simple question. What must I do to be saved? They spoke to the man the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, because they had been beaten, and was baptized, he and all his, immediately. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and rejoicing, believing in God with all his house. What a beautiful end. People have to want to be saved. They have to want to be saved. And we should not be found guilty of turning people away from church by our own action. This is my seat. No, it's not. Move yourself over and let this person sit down. Now, saints... 
that was the end of part two. I hope you were blessed by this, this message. Um, it was very important that you heard it, which is why I played it. Now, what I want to do is go over a couple of things with you about what Bishop Caldwell said and some things about the movie. Now, I saw the movie. Now, because of where I was, I couldn't give it my undivided attention. I heard it. I had little um, earbuds on and was allowing the movie to play on my phone. But when I got busy, I had to, you know, cut it off. I wasn't really paying attention. So I, I plan to watch it again in its entirety today. It's playing on Netflix. And the name of the movie is Come Sunday. It is the fall of Bishop Carlton Pearson, who was a household name in the body of Christ. Now, I don't know how accurate the movie is, but I know the story. I remember when it happened. I was a baby Christian and was saying, oh, my, oh, my, what happened? What, who was he listening to? Now, the first thing I want to talk about is salvation is not in the hands of man. I want to piggyback on what Bishop Caldwell said. It's not. Man can't save you. Joining a church denomination cannot save you. Join, joining a religion cannot save you. God created salvation for man. And that salvation is in the redemption of his son, Jesus the Christ. Now, when Carlton Pearson did say a loving God does not send his created beings to hell, that is what he said. And that is true. But everyone doesn't belong to God. And that's in scripture. So how he was he missing these scriptures? I'll tell you why. He was allowing the devil because of his ego. He gave a foothold to the devil to come in and sit down and start reading scriptures with him. Because the scriptures he was using, and I didn't write down all of them. I know he did use 1 John uh, 1 through 9 um, about if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He was saying that's for everybody. No, it's not. It's only for the believer. Now, there are, you know, he may have used three scriptures, but there are hundreds more, hundreds of more scriptures to contradict what he was saying. The scriptures he were reading were true, but they were not written to unbelievers. They were written to believers. It is God's will that all men be saved. That is his will. Now, I do want to correct something that Bishop Caldwell said that was not accurate. And I'm just assuming he just missed it when he saw the movie. Um, Bishop uh, Carlton, he never excluded Jesus. And I said this before, after um, um, part one of this, this little two-part series, he never excluded Jesus. He was saying that the blood of Jesus covers everybody, period. So you don't have to preach the gospel anymore because everybody already saved through the blood of Jesus. He never excluded Jesus. He kept saying that. This is how clever the devil is. Listen now, this is how clever Satan is. If you just listen to that and see the movie, your heart will start pouring out for this man if you don't know these scriptures and say, you know what? He, he, he right. The scripture says that. Yeah, the scripture says that, but that's not what it means. Remember when Jesus used scripture to contradict what Satan was saying after Satan, well, not really contradict, but to correct Satan when Satan was 
quoting scripture to Jesus. Just because you quote, uh, quote scriptures doesn't mean you understand what the scriptures say. Jesus corrected him. When uh, Satan told him to jump down off of that rock and, you know, God said in scripture, if he, he lets he hit his feet against the stone, you know, in other words, and I'm a paraphrase here, what Satan was saying, God will protect you. So if you are the son of God, jump off of this rock. Jesus said, we shall not tempt the Lord that God. See, so Satan was misusing the scriptures because he doesn't have revelation of them. But he sat next to Carlton Pearson when Carlton was asked, well, where are you getting this from? And he said, God spoke to him. This is another issue. People don't know when God is talking and when God is not. God wasn't speaking to Carlton Pearson. The Satan was. That's Satan's job is to get you away from Jesus because that's how you can spend eternity with God. And Satan's mission is to get as many people as he can to go to hell with him. That's his mission. What You either believe it or you don't. And that's what I will keep telling you. You either believe it or you don't. Now, let me say this. Now, um, the blood of Jesus does cover everyone. It does. The ground has been leveled to where any man, any Muslim, anyone who practiced Buddhism, anyone who follows the, the uh, Dalai Lama, anyone who is following any religion out there, even if you made up one yesterday, the ground is leveled to where you can come to Christ. And you can be saved through his blood because God is not accepting any other sacrifice. And what's baffling to me is all this is clear in scripture. He Carlton was using um, scriptures in John, first John Ephesians. He was um, using scriptures in Ephesians to uh, support what he was saying. But I said, well, you, you are missing something. You, you, it's some man. You, you can't forget about the other scriptures. Because here's the thing, saints, this is why you have to have anointed vessels of God teaching the word, because not one scripture in the Bible contradicts another one. The problem is you misunderstanding something. If you read a scripture and it appears to contradict what other scriptures say, no, that scripture means something else. That's all. The scripture is there, but you need to understand it. Don't take it out of context. All scriptures have a meaning and they never contradict one another. And not one apostle ever contradicted the other. Not one. And I hear people all the time say, well, yeah, James contradicted uh, John. And, and no, James didn't. James said faith without works is dead. He's talking about things you do. If you're going to believe and pray for something, well, then act on what you believe. If you believe in God for a job, and this is the best illustration I can give you. And James also gave an illustration. If you believe in God for a good job, your work is to go out there and fill out applications and let God choose the best job for you. But you can't just sit at home thinking a job is going to knock on your door. James used praying for people, you know, praying that they are warm instead of giving them a coat. That's where your work coming at. Give them a coat so that they can be warm. That is how you add your works with your faith. But you don't work to be saved. So what James was talking about was something completely different. So he never contradicted the other scriptures or the other apostles. That's why you need someone to rightly divide the scriptures to you. And I can tell you this. Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 24. Let me read this to you. That's how important I think this is. You need to hear this. So how in the world did Carlton not, not, not uh, stick with this scripture? Because he knew it. He knew it. So it was obvious to me that, you know, something happened. 
He got a big ego. God left him for a second. Satan stepped in and said, let me teach him in these scriptures. Now, this is the Lord Jesus talking. Matthew 24, and I'm going to read verses 23 and 24 and 25. Okay, and 26. I think I'll read verses 23 through 26. This is the Lord Jesus warning his disciples about false teachers, false apostles, false uh, prophets, and false Christ. Listen. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. Verse 24, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. That's how Bishop Carlton was deceived. He allowed Satan to deceive him. Verse 25, see, I have told you beforehand. Jesus warned all of us. Verse 26, Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out or look. He is in the inner rooms. Jesus said, do not believe it. Don't believe it. Now, I'm sorry you can get mad all you want because I have Muslims that listen to me of the nation of Islam. Now, someone named Elijah Muhammad appeared back in the 1960s. Now, Jesus left here over 2000 years ago. Now, the 1960s, he said he met a man named Farab Muhammad who claimed to be God. Didn't Jesus just warn us about that? Did, I'm just, didn't he just warn us about that? People, there will be false Christ saying that he is the Lord and told him that he was God and influenced him to write the message to the black man and create a whole sect outside of the is true Islamic religion called the nation of Islam. Now, Jesus warned us about this. He said, so therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms. Jesus said, do not believe it. Don't believe it. And let me go back to uh, verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show you great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And the only way you can be deceived, saints, is if you stray away from these scriptures. You do not let someone read another scripture to you to contradict what another scripture say. And the same apostle wrote it. Now think about that. That makes no sense. Now, Carlton Pearson, my poor brother, my poor brother in Christ. I don't know if he recanted or repented. A lot of people left his church. I don't know how accurate the movie is, but the movie got the story right. He did fall from grace. A lot of people, when he was given an opportunity to recant, that's why it's called Come Sunday. Come Sunday, the following Sunday, Oral Roberts, who uh, own Oral Roberts University, met with Carlton and told him, you got to make this right, man. What you need to do is go uh, in front of the congregation come Sunday, and you need to read Romans 10, 9. And when Sunday came, Carlton Pearson told uh, someone in the church to uh, get out the scriptures and go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. So when the man turned there, Carlton changed his mind and refused to read that scripture. Now, Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and verse 10 says, and if you confess with uh, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And Carlton refused to read that scripture. So you know it wasn't God telling him not to read that scripture. 
He said God spoke to him. So then there was a uh, another uh, congregation that called and invited him to come speak at the, the church. And he was in shock. He was like, I can't believe it, you know, after all was going on. And um, the man told him, you, you know, when you come, bring the scriptures uh, to support what you are saying. And that's when he stopped because he knew good and well what he was saying was not in scripture. He, so he said, well, God spoke to me. So Oral Roberts asked him when he told Oral Roberts that God spoke to him. You know what Oral Roberts said to him? He said, do you really know if it was God talking to you or was it Satan? That's the question I have for you. Is it God talking to you or is it Satan? And let me tell you something. That actually happened because Oral Roberts said it did. And Carlton Pearson, it, it was sad to see this brother fall. But when you get a big head and start thinking that salvation uh, comes through you, he didn't share with his uncle the um, saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ when his uncle called him to the prison and asked him to write a letter to the dignitaries to see if he can get him out because he was, uh, Carlton Pearson was well respected in the, in the community. But he isn't anymore. I don't know what he's doing now. I, I think he's still preaching at a very small congregation. But my thing is, Let's go to, and I wasn't going to do this, but I want to um, go here. I want you to go to John chapter 3. Uh-huh. John chapter 3. Let me get there first, though, saints. Let me get there. Go to the gospel according to John. And we all know John 3, 16, don't we? But you got to include verses 17 and 18. And I'm going to read it right now. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I'm reading from the New King James. Bishop Caldwell uses the uh, traditional King James. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So how on earth? Did Carlton Pearson miss that? He didn't miss it. He knew it. He just ignored it after he read something John wrote. And John is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, oh my, it was just sad, sad time to see this brother fall. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, him who Jesus might be saved. Now, verse 18 is often overlooked, but it bears reading every time you read John 3.16, even if you want to skip John 17. John 3.17, go straight to 18. Jesus said, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. See, this thing is all about Jesus. I don't care what religion out there. This thing is all about Jesus. And another thing Bishop Caldwell said that's true. It's the God of the Bible that's going to judge the whole world. Yeah, it's the God of the Bible. Everything else was written after. And the Bible was not written by a man. The Bible was written by different prophets in the Old Testament who God spoke to about his redemption plan concerning his son. And everything those prophets said, and they never met Jesus, came to pass through Jesus. Everything they said. Now, how is that possible? Unless the true and living God who created the heavens and the earth actually spoke to those prophets. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, saints. And let me tell you something. 
when he used those scriptures in first John verse one through nine about, um, uh, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. That's true. That's to the believer who sins. You go to God and you confess those sins and, and you allow God's uh, blood, the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you have done. That blood is still powerful today. It can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I am a living witness sitting here today talking to you. So saints, I hope you were blessed. Um, I will resume tomorrow teaching on finding Jesus in the scriptures. Yes, we are searching the scriptures, finding Jesus. It will be episode nine and I cannot wait to share that message with you guys. So until next time, saints, peace out. were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.